spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Andian from Spoken Label. A spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and records show it started off really as a one-off podcast chatting to writers, poets and artists. Over time, it became monthly, then weekly and occasionally nowadays it goes on that to a more regular basis. To date, I've done over 330 sessions and I'm always looking for new poets, writers, artists, singer-songwriters, general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast. You can find this on all the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label, which is all one word, dot bandcamp.com. Obviously now, to help me with the running costs of this podcast, I'm always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it. You can either do the donation through the Bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts, or send it over to my PayPal to aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. Enjoy the podcast. Take care. Bye. Spoken label. Hi, guys. And the end, spoken label. Back in the house on a stressed out Tuesday. I've had one of those days in the day job today. But anyway, it's always good because a good podcast always seems to calm me down like soothing music. This is a good one today because the young lady I've got with me today, Scarlett Ward, we were just discussing this. And it's been quite funny because Scarlett bought her first book out a couple of years ago. And so she actually sent the book to me to preview and we're going to get her on a spoken label. And it never happened, did it, Scarlett? <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I've got in the way. <laughs> yeah, I always say it's shit for brains me, but I'm, it could have been shit for brains Scarlett as well. Eh? So, but anyway, <laughs> welcome on board anyway. So a couple of years later. Now, We've been chatting before, Scarlett, about where you're where you're coming from, because you're telling me before you're at the Calet Chase area in Birmingham, aren't you? So, and I've just been scaring you with the, the ghost story around your neck of the woods and the woods around there as well. Yeah, thanks for that, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm from Staffordshire. I've you know been born, bred, raised uh, in Cannock, um, and I do a lot of work in Birmingham as well. But that's kind of yeah where I'm based. Brilliant. Now, obviously, we've got a lot of ground to cover today, so I don't, I don't want to waffle on too much. It's more for you, this, really. But obviously, tell people a little bit about your background as a creative person, first of all. Then. Yeah, so I'm a poet, a workshop facilitator, and I've recently 
made my foray into the world of publishing. Um, so in terms of like background, I did English at university and that's kind of where I fell in love with poetry and writing poetry. Um, and I kind of developed this um, hunger and just want to read everything because I think uh, the curriculum when I was at school was very much like Victorian poets and that definitely has has its merits but I wasn't familiar with a lot of contemporary poetry um, and it was only when I went to uni and I discovered all these uh, amazing poets that were creating such in incredible poetry and having these wonderful discussions and conversations um, that I really fell in love with the scene. Um, so I started writing um, as I kind of left uni, um, writing all the time, reading all the time. Um, and that's where I kind of fell in with the, the Birmingham poetry scene. So Birmingham has some amazing, amazing poetry nights, spoken word nights, and, and they used to have a writing group called um, Birmingham Stanza. And we used to meet at Waterstones in Birmingham. This is going back like maybe like six, maybe even seven years ago. Um, and that's where I made a lot of friends. And that's where I got to know Stuart from Verve Press. Um, and the first ever Verve Festival was actually at that Waterstones. And I remember everything was held from like that upstairs room. And it was just Verve Festival um, this weekend, just gone a couple of days ago. So to be able to see that festival go from like one room to the Hippodrome, like it's, it's just amazing to be able to, you know, be a part of that that growth um but yeah so that was kind of how I how I started and how I fell into poetry brilliant now obviously we want to talk about first of all and this, this is only a beginning I like that when I use this next word just the beginning of the story for you really Scarlett <laughs> when you bought your debut collection Ache didn't you run by Verve yeah. Press back that was all the way Verve back Press. into all the way back in 2019 so I know it's a different different world doesn't it then um little were you to realize what was going to happen um in the world yeah, it does it's, oh, god completely your story reminds me a lot of my first book because I put my first book out in 2010 and I went down diabetes the year after so I get mm. my when my second book came out everything had changed the world and in my life and from what's yeah. been happening to you since then is I know we'll come on to that in a minute but obviously like is, do you look back at this first book now and think to yourself, you're a complete different writer to where you are now, do you reckon, after what's oh happened? Oh, my goodness. Since? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I look back at it now and I think my writing's come on a long way. I was quite young when I released that. Um, and I think I've hopefully developed a bit more sophistication in my writing and I write about um, more sophisticated subjects. But also, like, that book was very important to me because I wrote a lot about... Um, things were important to me at the time. Um, I was going through a lot of like mental health struggles and, and poetry was really very cathartic for me. Um, and I felt like I reached a lot of people through through that book and through that po um, that time of my life uh, writing about that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, looking back, um, I definitely feel like my voice has changed a lot and the stuff that I'm writing about now, um, I'm very excited about. So yeah, book two coming soon, I guess. We'll come, <laughs> on, to, we'll come on to that shortly. <laughs> right, definitely. No, but you're right. It's because I was reading this book before, to honest, again, to refresh, refresh myself on the book. It's a great book. It really is. But like, okay. it's like, I can see the difference in you let your more recent work. It's, I'm not, I'm not going to use the word to say it's improved. I'm not. You're just in a different, I think you're in a different lane, aren't you, really? 
And that's, yeah, I think... think, partly because of your health. We, I think we want to talk about the next, don't we, to what happened to you a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, I think, you know, the writing that I was producing back then, um, you know, I really enjoyed making that book. Um, but I think the whole process of making and putting together a collection um, really helps you grow as a writer and helps you understand that relationship between the reader and writer. Um, and yeah, the, the the kind of journey that I've been on since I think has definitely shaped how I write now. Um, I think when um, when I got sick for a while, I was just writing as therapy, writing for myself, you know, poems that the world will never see. I was having a really good conversation with my friend and an amazing poet, Sally Ann Rock, about how sometimes you just need to write for yourself. And it might be terrible poetry, but if it's what you need to say in that moment, it's almost like you're talking to yourself, you know, helping yourself to um, navigate and digest certain situations. Um so the stuff that I was writing in 2022 of last year was probably terrible because it was just me kind of figuring out what had happened in terms of my health and the personal stuff I was going through. Um, and it's only been in past, it's past maybe like six or seven months that I've kind of um, been able to metabolize what's been going on in my life and write about things that um, feel a little bit more coordinated. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, everything you do takes time. Like it was, it's like I said, in my case, when I came diabetic in 2011, it took me five yeah. years to bring up my second book after that. And by which yeah. point, it was completely different to the first book. And it wasn't a book of like, woe be me. It wasn't mm. just, you need that reflection time, I think, sometimes anyway. So, yeah. And did you find that um, when you were writing, you weren't mm. really considering whether it was going to be a book or not? You were just kind of producing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. yeah, definitely. It was, uh, I was at that point where I was mourning. It was almost like I was mourning for what had happened by the way my life was almost. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you must have gone for that stage yourself, definitely with that. So, but yeah, that's what happened to me. Now, obviously, since then, obviously, like I said, 40, I want to go into your press next, Thorn Press. So yeah. tell us about, first of all, then, what made you want to do your own press? So, um, I think in the Midlands we have a really vibrant and strong um, poetry scene, but also um, publishing houses. And we have to have we have a lot of really strong women-led publishing houses, such as Nine mm. Archie Press, the Emma Press. Um, and I saw these incredible women, such as Jane Kamein and, and Emma from the Emma Press. And I just thought, wow, they're incredible! <laughs> like they're incredible people. Um, and I really got into editing um, and. Um, I used to edit a magazine with uh, an organization called Homegrown 31. Um, and I really enjoyed that process. I really enjoyed that, uh, like nurturing of writers. So um, it's something that I'd always wanted to do. So I set it up in 2021. And um, it's very important to me. I'm very passionate about the fact that we kind of seek to represent emerging writers and under mm. underdeveloped writers but um I think something else that's quite unique about form press is that we only publish pamphlets so we you know pamphlets up to maybe like 20 mm. to 20 to 30 um poems um, mm. and I don't know another press that makes only mm. pamphlets I may be that just may be a gap in my knowledge but um I think when writers are kind of nurturing their voice sometimes 
and I feel that was the process with me. Um, I thought that, oh, to be a proper poet, a proper poet, you need a proper book and I need to make a collection in order to be a proper poet. Um, when actually uh, a pamphlet is a really divine um like form in itself mm. i think they can be very condensed very powerful and also it gives you that kind of stepping stone to kind of explore your voice explore your journey um so and i think if more presses only championed pamphlets i think perhaps more writers would make that choice to to make a pamphlet and i know it's very it's a very individual um decision and it really depends on what your vision is for your project um but i i wanted to kind of make a press that would offer that option and and really play a part in our poet's journey we we only produce i mean at the moment we're producing like three books a year which is nothing compared to like some of the bigger presses but it does mean that i get to really play a part in the poet's journey in publicizing and marketing the marketing um their pamphlets and also just having like one-on-one -on -one conversations with them on how they want it to be what they want it to look like um yeah we have like a really strong kind of brand identity with form press and I'm, that's something I'm quite proud of but yeah that was kind of the motivating factor behind setting it up really Brilliant. Now, obviously, if people are wondering, it's not just you with this press. I know you've got a team. So tell us about how all your team met them. How we met all so, your team. Um, it kind of evolves over time according to the project and how much money we have, really, because um, <laughs> I feel very passionate about case. paying people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel very strongly about like paying people. So um, we had uh, Lexia Tomlinson helped me uh, read submissions and edit for the Elements Anthology, which was our, our first publication. Um, and she was fantastic to work with. I've known Lexia for a really long time. She's an amazing poet, amazing performer and just a general warm lovely person to be around so it was great working with her and and we had an intern at the time Connie Colton um who gave some amazing contributions to the making of that book um and then Form Press is also kind of a copywriting house as well so I do kind of corporate copywriting on the um that's the other branch of the company um and I worked with Sally Ann Rock for a little while on that um and yeah, so we've just launched The Thicket, which was, is a um, digital magazine, and we're going to do that bi-monthly. And I've been working with Daniel Kay on that, who is a good friend, a really great poet, and a really oh, great I know actor. Daniel. No, Daniel. Love yeah. Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> He's line. everywhere, isn't he? He's literally oh. all the poetry events. I'm like, Dan, how are you getting around all these places? And, yeah, he really makes me laugh. He's a really, really funny guy. Um, so he's absolutely really adorable. I've not met him in person yet, but he's absolutely adorable. He so wants to give him a bit of hope when you see him. <laughs> he's that sort of person. And also, like, that's not to diminish his power as a poet. He, like, he's so, he writes about really important things. And uh, it was really great to work with him in, in this capacity because I think he brought to the table um, a really great eye for poetry, a great eye for metaphor. And, um, yeah, he's just a lot of fun to work with. Um, but, yeah, so that's going to be bi-monthly, the magazine is. Um, and that hopefully will be out in the end of March. So when this airs, hopefully you can go read it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be out. This will be out in a couple of weeks before that. So brilliant. Okay, Scarlett. Yes, can you tell us next then, obviously, about the your publication plans for this year? Then? Obviously, with your first three writers. Then. So obviously, we talked about, obviously, the anthology. But tell us then about 
the first three writers you've got lined up? Um, so the first three writers, the first three writers that we produced already, we've got Sally Ann Rock, Nabila Sagir and Devjani Bodapudi. Um, and they were all writers that um, they are absolutely fantastic, incredible, incredible pamphlets. So you definitely check them out on social media. Um, so those are the three books that we produced last year. Um, Devjani's book actually just came out just in January. Um, and then the next writers we've got Kate, Catherine Millington and um, Christy Jassitan. Um, and yeah, it was it was a really great kind of process of uh, the submission, having our submissions window open, mm. having people send me their poems. Um, it's a little bit overwhelming, um, but um, yeah, it was it was great to be able to work with those poets and and kind of help them bring their pamphlet into the world. Brilliant. I've got to I've got to ask you. Obviously, whether you've been obviously doing your first book yourself, how's how has this impacted you as a writer? How has what impacted? How has this impacted you as a writer? Obviously, like with you going down this stage and running your own publishing press now. Right. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Um, I definitely have less time to write, <laughs> um, but cool. I, I'm I'm doing I'm doing what I'm very passionate about, which is you know helping other people. So, um, I, I'm having to like carve time into my day to write and make it a really intentional kind of practice um and but yeah helping others um like edit their poetry it helps mm. me kind of be aware of um pitfalls in my own writing um there's a really really great book um from Nine Arches called How to Be a Poet. And I bought that years ago and I, I bought it with a bit of suspicion in mind. And I was like, no book can tell you how to be a poet, but it really does outline some really good practices, common pitfalls, um, and it's a really good place to start. So yeah, working in publishing definitely has helped my writing, um, kind of my mindset as well. Um, and just be to be aware of other people in the publishing community, you know, other other journals and other presses. It is really beautiful. You know, we don't see each other as competition. We all support each other, share each other's successes. Um, but yeah, it's a really beautiful community to be part of. Brilliant. Now, obviously, I want to touch on next. Obviously, but I'm going to backtrack a bit here because I want to should have gone into this more detail before. But obviously, about people are wondering about your ME and stuff. So it's like doing what you've done, you know, me, I think is a remarkable story here, particularly from running your own press. Yeah, so like it's, so no, it's MS that, that I have. MS, I've got ME in the brain. Sorry, I've got, yeah, I've got no, this, no. So MS. Apologies. <laughs> My no, fault. Okay. Shit, the brains. Yeah. Obviously, I want to talk about that because obviously, like, talk about with MS, like you said, it's like your writing book before is completely different to what you've done before after getting MS. So tell us about yeah. then. Like, this is something people understand, really, because it changes yeah. you as a person, I think, a lot. Yeah, definitely getting a, a life-changing diagnosis definitely affects you uh, mentally and physically. Um, I'm always happy to talk about my MS because I think when, when I got sick, I had some really strange symptoms that I just hadn't been able to piece together. Um, and, it, you know, if I can raise awareness, then absolutely want to um so I just realized that I was getting um pins and needles I would have a numb hand and then one day I lost feeling in both my legs from like the hips downwards um 
I would get really severe brain fog, um, muscle spasms. It's like having cramps. And then one day um, my speech started to go and it was like, wow. I was talking like I was drunk, you know, um, yeah, really yeah. my words. And um, I was like, this isn't right. I went to hospital a couple of times and they just told me, oh, it's your period hormones. And I was like, okay, I'm 28. I'm pretty sure I know what I've period feels like but okay um so yeah sent home doctors were baffled and it was only when um I went into hospital because my speech uh, my swallowing went I couldn't oh drink water it, that just went um and then my speech went completely and I just couldn't talk and then I actually fell into a coma um for about was about a week oh um God. And I had to learn to like walk and talk again. So that's when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, which is a disease where your immune system attacks your brain and your spine. Um, and it is incurable and it is progressive. So I will have it for all my life. But um, there's some really great cutting edge medication now. There's a good treatments that can kind of um, slow disease progression and disability progression, that kind of thing. Um, but I remember when I was first diagnosed, you know, not being able to talk, like my, everything was going on in my head, but I couldn't communicate it. And it was really scary being a poet and a writer and not being able to communicate um, or talk. And it took me a little while to be able to read again. I, I couldn't write. Um, so I had a lot of therapy for that. And it's actually this week just gone was my one year anniversary. <laughs> oh, was um, it really? Oh, wow. Yeah, it was. It was. And um, yesterday I had a neurology appointment in which they said that my MS has actually gone into remission. Um, so the treatment has been so effective that they can't see any new scarring on my brain um and actually the scars that i do have are starting to heal which is really really great news. Um, Good. Good. but yeah so it, it did turn, kind of knock me off my feet for a long time and i i'd started form press about six months before getting sick and mm. then ever being in hospital being like oh my god we were just about to release a new book like I can't let them down um and it was Sally Ann's book that was coming out Salt and Metal um and because she's mm. a good friend uh, I'm very grateful eternally to Sally Ann because she was so patient with me and obviously it took me a while to get any kind of reading faculties back let alone editing so um she kind of held my hand so much um and yeah, so it was great to work with her. But um, yeah, so I kind of got back on my feet. And I think it's important to talk about it because, you know, when I was first diagnosed, I thought I was the only one in the world. I felt so lonely and isolated. I, I never, I thought I would never uh, walk or talk again. Doctors said they didn't know if I'd talk again. But I just kind of want to share that story because, you know, I'm doing so well now and you, you do, you can have a life living with MS. Um, and it's important That's to a no, death sentence. I agree completely. I feel like it's. I'm always a believer. You know, I preach myself about diabetes, but so it doesn't stop, doesn't slow me down. I yeah. get, did you have you found charts, Scarlett, since you got registered? This it's made yeah, me. Look, it made has it. Sorry, my, my connection went then. Have you found since you got obviously diagnosed MS? I know it's with diabetes. It made me more focused as a creative person. I think in some ways. How does that? Do you agree with that process? Because it definitely changes you, doesn't it? It does. Um, do you want to say some more about how it changed you so I can understand that question a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. My case was um, I got to when I bought my first book out, I was really a performance poet, mm. and I wasn't that bothered about, if I said, actually, just reproducing read, books. 
But when I did the second book, it made me a much more introspective book it did. And made I was like it, I looked at like the first book as like a spring book. Then the second book as a summer book when I'm coming into my full powers, but looking back at the way I was before. Right. And right. then it changed the way I was as a writer and a performer completely. So that's what I'm thinking, I'm thinking about. Oh, amazing. That's great to hear that, first of all, that you, you felt that you could uncover that in yourself. Yeah. Um, I think oh, in terms of my writing, I well, you know, for such a long time, I was just working so hard on kind of getting my speech back and getting like um, <clears throat> brain fog is a terrible, terrible symptom of MS. Yeah. And it took me a while to get to the kind of mindset where I could write again. And when I was able to, I was just so grateful to. I think I was writing a lot, like I said, for myself and like as catharsis. Um, I think I write despite my MS, you know, not I don't let my MS kind of shape me as a person I definitely it's definitely catalyzed a lot of change in my life and I left situations I weren't I wasn't happy in and um it's taught me to kind of like grab life by the jugular because you know with a progressive disease you never know what life's going to be in five years ten years time no, so it, it, yeah it, it's made me really kind of like seize the day um by the throat um <laughs> for sure but um I'm writing a lot now about um violence to women in society and I think that's something that I've always been interested in um mm. but particularly as now a, a disabled writer um it's definitely made me see the world from new perspectives um I had to kind of overcome a lot of internalized ableism that I didn't know I had um you know being faced with the prospects of being in a wheelchair I remember saying, you know, I, I don't want to be in a wheelchair. I don't want to be as though it was the worst thing in the world. Um, and actually, I, you know, I had to overcome a lot, a lot of this internalized ableism that I didn't know I had. So um, has it shaped my writing? Yeah, I think it makes me write with more urgency. I think it, it makes me a more passionate person knowing that I'm immortal you know you know you when you're younger you're like oh I'm never gonna die like <laughs> I'm gonna live yeah. forever and it's absolutely fine and then you get sick and you're like oh no I actually I actually need to look after myself and I, I have to do things now because I never know what tomorrow is gonna hold so best way of looking at it yeah that's I'm, I'm exactly of the opinion of that one myself so I agree so where do you envisage your creativity going next then, Scarlett? Start start winding down, because you've done so much, I think, since you obviously got this, and you've not let it hold you back. Yeah. No, I it. We you. could even talk about, like, what you've done in your workshops you're on the BBC and also the Verve Post yeah. Festival. But <laughs> we'll let people research that themselves, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, I've had, I'm very lucky. I've had a lot of great opportunities, um, but... Where's next? So um, I am working on um, something, uh, a collection pamphlet. I'm not I'm not quite sure yet. I'm just kind of letting it ferment in my little cauldron and bubble away. Um, and I'm just kind of writing really organically. Um, mm. I've had a lot of change in my life. I've moved back home with my parents um, and it's been a really good kind of environment to write in. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely uh working on a new collection. I'm not a performance poet like you, Andy. I'm a page poet. I I'm an ex <laughs> ex performance poet. Ex. I don't I don't really do it nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a different art form, isn't it? Yeah. There's no better or worse yeah. um at all. But um yeah, I definitely am a page poet. So um I I love writing for the visual. Um, but also 
you know there is merit to reading your poetry aloud as you're writing it and I, I'm sure we can have a whole conversation about the writing process but um... another day we'll get you back up <laughs> on another podcast and we'll go for that one Scarlett definitely I promise you <laughs> no yeah yeah that'd be good <laughs> <laughs> and obviously like I said that's really looking that in the future obviously Formcrest will carry on for yourself as well won't it so like I said yeah, you've got two new collections and... on the way and who knows what else <laughs> Yeah, so they've got the two new pamphlets and the um, Thicket, which is the online digital mm. magazine, which is recapping, yeah. For and yeah, redone. Brilliant. Free. <laughs> good to me. Okay, well, we'll do wrap up this out. Obviously, if people want to find where Fawn Press is, first of all, where do they recommend you? Where do you recommend they go, I should say? So um, you can find us on all social media, fawn as in a baby deer, um, because Staffordshire's emblem is a deer. Uh, that's where that comes from. And you can find our website is fawnpress.co.uk, and that's where we have all of our submissions windows, our shop, and also the Thicket magazine on that website. Brilliant. Now, if people want to find more about you, where do, they rec- where do you recommend they go, Scarlett? Right. So if you um, want to read my work or stay up to date with my workshops or performances, you can find me on Instagram at scarlet.ward. Brilliant. That's good to me. Right. We'll take a quick break then. And we're back with everybody in a couple of minutes time with some pieces from Scarlet. Thank you for your patience today, Scarlet. It's been <laughs> an interesting podcast. <laughs> outside things. <laughs> See you in one minute. Spock on me. Hi, guys. And the end. Amazing Scarlet Ward. Straight over to Scarlett for a couple of poems. Over to you, Scarlett. Thank you. So um, this is a poem from um, an anthology called I Knew a Girl Who Liked to Drink Plain Indigo Ink. And it's from a press called Sunday Mornings at the River. Um, it's a fantastic small press. If you get a chance to check them out, definitely do. And it's called Lonely Girl Emoji. I heart emoji you. I heart in flames emoji you. Oh, babe, I'm going to whirlwind emoji. I'm the salsa dance dance emoji. I'm sideways looking eyes at you across a room emoji while you're all moon face emoji. You know, the one that's looking back at me sideways again. There's no third dimension in emoji love. There's only up, down, left, right, no fourth wall to break, so the narrator of this poem can tell you, reader, that she's losing the plot, IRL, that she's speaking to herself, IRL, that there's something missing, IRL. There's not a girl who makes enough pasta for two but eats alone emoji. There's no girl who didn't expect her life to turn out like this while she's pairing socks emoji. There's no girl so lonely she's holding up the queue in Asda so she can ask the cashier how her day went emoji. I am all heart held together with gauze emoji. There is one for that. It's kind of battered, but it still throbs red. It's not exactly a broken heart emoji, but it suggests a fragile holding together of one's shit emoji. You can find it right after the light bulb section, as though someone once thought falling in love might have been a good idea. Oh, I really needed to cough all the way through that. (laughs) (laughs) Edit, edit, edit. No, excellent stuff. Oh, that's so. fine. You keep that in. You can keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> Just goes to show, like I'm not a performer. <laughs> um, I'm always of the opinion, like it, a good cough doesn't slow the person down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no. I, I've got to say, seriously, I thought it was a great piece that one, Scarlet, straight away. Thank then, so, so 
Now, I'm, Thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm not, it's such a personal topic, so I'm not going to ask you about what the piece was about because you can see it meant a lot to you straight away. That so we'll just move straight on. But I did love it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Over um, to the Cool. Okay, so this is another um, poem from that same emo um, same emoji. I'm an emoji <laughs> lover already. <laughs> um, so this is a poem from that same anthology from Sunday Mornings at the River. Um, and it's called Girl. What is girl if not a lifetime exercise impressing our tongues to the roof of our mouths? The hard G the silencing of the eye, the belittled eye. Snarl into the end of the word, girl. What is girl if not a study of contempt? Name a thing shame and it will cower. She is forced into the corner of your mouth when you spit the word born in the soft palate and then pushed out over the front teeth. Always a sharpness to go through. Always a cutting, short, girl, girl. A single syllable, a stab made small. <laughs> I love what you want about that one. Also. I love the fact where... The lines seemed, obviously I've got the text in front of it, it does seem like the lines were getting shorter and shorter the longer the point. Yeah, it does. I don't know if you can see that. Got it. it got does. it. I knew it was right there. Yeah, brilliant. Got the anthology and you can see it. Yes, I was really Tell us about the conscious decision then. Not I keep, keep off the content again. It's a very, very personal piece. I yeah, can see yeah. that. But what made um, you want to do finish the poem off in a shorter and shorter line? So like I was that. really thinking about the linguistics and the phonetics of the word, um, and I was actually making my bed as I, as this word "girl" <laughs> kept going through my head. And it was, you know, what it was. Someone had called me a girl in a professional setting, and I thought, you know, I'm I'm a woman. I'm I'm like, you know. You're not, you're not a 13 or 14 year old girl. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it felt like an attack. And I was just thinking about how that word girl can be weaponized. Um, so I was thinking about the g and then the earl and like how it is hmm. like a snarl and how it's such a short word. Examined the, the linguistics and the sounds of that word and, and kind of the context and the metaphor that I could shape that into. No, it was excellent. No, really, very really powerful you. stuff, Scarlett. I really enjoyed that. Now, we're better wrap up here, really, Oscar. I know people won't know it's behind the scenes. It's been, <laughs> been stuff going on in the background today. I need to go and deep, decompress. And I know in Scarlett's case, she, she needs food. So we're going to let her go and eat. I need food. <laughs> I do. I always need <laughs> food. I'm always hungry. <laughs> Thank you so oh, much for having me. Here. I just want to take a moment to say that, like, the work that you do is so important, and poetry, um, the poetry scene comes to life when we have passionate people like yourself doing things Brilliant. like this podcast. So, thank you. The same goes to you in reverse of what you do before and press definitely. So, I want to quit word you off, Mike. Anyway, so, but thank you again today, Charlotte Scarlett. It's been a pleasure. So. Right, guys and girls, we better wrap up here because I've got things to do tonight. It's been interesting <laughs> today. So, as Don Callis here at AEW Wrestling says, stay safe and stay over. Spoken, mate.